before we get into that, before we get into the content today, uh, I wanna I wanna just kind of highlight for us that today's message is gonna be a little bit of a zoom out. All right, uh, we've been very verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter in the series so far, and it's been extremely important. But today, uh, I want to zoom out and take a bit of a more thematic or topical approach to our conversation today. Uh, the ten verses that we've found ourselves in uh, over the past few weeks have been focused. Um, by extremely rich content and truth for our lives. But there are some ideas that I don't want us to miss before we move on further in this series. And uh, these verses that we've been reading in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 over the past few weeks are a part of a bigger narrative that Peter is wanting us to see and understand. And that narrative is this. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down because this is an important narrative throughout all of Scripture, is that our lives are a part of kingdom initiative and are meant to bring glory and honor to God in all that we do. That our lives are meant to bring glory and honor to God in all that we do. Come on, amen? And so we have to dig into this idea because there's certain areas of our lives that if we're not careful, what we can do is we can believe that some areas are reserved for God and other areas aren't. One author put it like this, God's ultimate purpose in everything he does is designed to bring him praise. Everything that God does is designed to bring him praise. And that's really what I wanna press into today and specifically deal with this whole idea of our lives being divided between the sacred and the secular. Come on, everybody shout sacred. sacred. Come on, everybody shout secular. secular. Show of hands, how many of you have heard this term before? Come on, show of hands. Okay, most of us, a lot of us in here. So we're gonna, we're gonna get into this idea because 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through to 10 um, are really important verses that are highlighting for us that we have been and are being set apart in Christ Jesus. Okay, we gotta get some better amens going on in here today. Let's try this one more time. This is a participation sport here at the well. So let's just try that. Our lives are being set apart in and through Jesus. Amen. It's called consecrated, set apart, sanctified. These are a lot of terms that we see in the Bible that are important for us to realize because if we're not careful, if we don't look at these things, we will ask big questions, existential questions, like what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of my faith? And if we're not careful, we can look at these aspects of our life and not see God using them and working through them. And the issue that I really wanna press in today is how God uses our work. Now I know, tons of you came to church today hoping that I was gonna talk about work. You're probably pumped about that. And, uh, and I promise you, by the time we get to the end of this, there'll be some practical things that I think are, are, are gonna stir your faith for this area. But let's go ahead and read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses one through 10. This is our context scripture, and it says this, therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation if you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over, a rock to trip over. 
They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race. Now here's the set apart language. Listen to what he says. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Come on, is anybody thankful for Jesus today? So today as we continue on our series, You Are Here, I wanna speak to you from the subject, The House That God Built, part three. As we look at our lives being set apart and gospel integrated, so as to have our lives bring glory and praise to God, and, and here's what through. Glory and praise to God through our work, through our labor, through our vocation. That is what we're gonna deal with today. Does that sound good with everybody? Come on, let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now, I pray at the teaching and the preaching of your word, the proclamation of your word, that this truth would set us free today. And so I thank you, God, for every single person in the room and online today. I pray that this word would come alive, that it would help us, that it would set us free today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. Um, I remember when I was a kid, especially in my teenage years, the conversation, because I was in youth ministry, specifically the conversation that would come up about sacred versus secular things. How many of you know what I'm talking about, that term? You guys, you guys remember sacred, and it was very specific in nature, so I grew up loving music, still love music. Um, playing guitar, I was on the worship team, I was in bands. Um, I grew up in Seattle, so like the prerequisite to be a Seattle kid was to play like rock music and drink Starbucks. Like that was our, that was how you knew you grew up in Seattle. And so I grew up on like great bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots and the Foo Fighters and Soundgarden. Come on somebody, can I get a witness in church today? And, uh, and so I remember though in youth ministry at that time, there was, a, there was a, a whole big movement around not listening to that music because we had secular music and then we had sacred music. We had, and, and we had Christian music and non-Christian music, which was a surprise to me because I didn't know music could get saved. So, now I'm not making an argument, Here, here's, here's the deal, like, and I would say this now, I was just talking to somebody about this after service. Um, Music, whatever we listen to, we, we gotta make sure that it can be beneficial for our life. Not all music is good to listen to, country mainly. So, um, <laughs> it's just not good for the soul. And so, unless it's Chris Stapleton, and technically in my mind, he's not country, okay? So, um, but anyways, I, I'm not making an ethical conversation happen right now. I'm not trying to kind of create the, the, the space where we go like this music's good and this music's bad to listen to, but can we all agree that at the end of the thing, there's not necessarily a thing as non-Christian music and Christian music for the sake that it can't get saved. It doesn't have a soul. Now there's beneficial music and non-beneficial music. There is worship music and then there's other music. Y'all with me? And what we defined it as is th these terms, we use these terms, secular and sacred. Secular and sacred. And so what happened is we started creating these divides in our life between my life being the sacred areas and then having secular areas. Now, 
The Bible is very clear on certain ethical realities of our life. But what I wanna press into is what has taken place through this secular sacred conversation and this secular sacred divide is that we started dividing areas in our life that were never meant to be divided. We started designating areas of our life that were never meant to be designated as secular versus sacred. And one of those areas is the area of work. Our jobs. Now some of you might be wondering right now, like did I come to church and this dude's about to just start talking about my job and work? Yes, we're about to see how Jesus is center in the middle of it. And I hope it sets some of us free today because I would tell you that by way of scripture, one of the most beautiful things that we have given to us is the space of our labor, the space of our vocation, the space of our work. And it's in that space that you and I are actually meant to bring glory, honor, and praise to Jesus, that people should see who God is in and through how we work and labor. Come on, can I get an amen? in church today. So we as humans try to divide things. And the truth is, is that many of the things that we try to divide in our life are never meant to be divided. So we parse out our work, we parse out our relationships, we parse out our, ha- our hobbies. So we go, this is, this is my work box, this is my relationship box, this is my hobby box, this is my hobby lobby. <laughs> That was so dumb. <laughs> but it was really funny in my head. <laughs> so we have, we have these boxes, and th- this is my church box. Come on, how many of you see what I'm talking about? So we parse out, so once I leave my church box, then I leave my, and I go on with my life. So many of us step into our faith moment, and then we step out of our faith moment. And then every other box that we occupy when we're occupying it, we don't think God has a space there. We don't think that he exists in that space. I wanna suggest to us today that our lives are meant to be fully integrated in and through the Spirit of God. I would call this, if you're taking notes today, write this down, gospel integrated. That we don't have these compartments that we exist in, but rather who I am is who I am wherever I am at. And your work specifically. Now for sure, when it comes to the ethical and moral space of our lives, God has much to say about this division. The problem that we face though, is that we've brought division into areas that were never meant to be divided in our lives, but rather they actually had a very intentional design. See, the gospel should be the integrating force in our lives, bringing continuity and harmony to every area and facet of our lives, especially when it comes to the issue of work. We've gotta bring the sacredness of our work back. Instead of seeing it as this demon in our life. And that's how a lot of us see it, if we're really honest. We show up to work and we're like, ugh, 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 right? We sound like four-year-olds going into work. It's something that it never, it never changes. We sat down and we had a big conversation with, the, with our kids the other day because we were teaching them. Um, it, was, it was all around this idea of trying to prepare them like, hey, there's, we're gonna work in our life. That, that's what we've actually been designed to do. And what's actually scary is we're getting into a, a cultural moment and almost a, 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 a moment that I'm starting to see that work is actually being pushed against. We don't want to work. Now I'm gonna step on toes this morning. Come, come on, are y'all with me? We don't, we don't wanna work that the greatest existence of our life can be 
found in no work, I would actually argue that that's actually not where we exist in the greatest degree possible. It is the work that God has designed us for that actually is the best place that we find ourselves. I know, that's not, that's, it's where we get really quiet in church. <laughs> so here's the storyline, Genesis 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It says that the, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light and God, God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. We are introduced to God and what is God doing? Working. Let me say that one more time. We are first introduced to God and what is God doing? Working. He's working. Now this is important for us to understand because now we're gonna fast forward to Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28, and it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now let's just pause there for a second, because this, this piece of scripture's gotten a bad rap. This is the scripture that we use to say, see, like fruitful and multiplying is just having babies. It's not just that, right? Because look what he says. He says, in the image of God, he created the male and female, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Unless you believe that your baby making is going to subdue the earth, there's more going on in this piece of scripture, right? He didn't say have like a you know, child army running around, and that's not, that's not what he was talking about. What he was talking about was cultivating and creating and, and getting involved, and literally getting involved with the dirt of the earth. There was work, come on, someone shout work. So the biblical narrative shows us that our life should and will include work. It's part of the design and the nature of who we are. But there's another storyline that we find throughout the narrative of scripture and it kinda looks like this. This is what the gospel narrative, if you were to kinda go 30,000 foot view, what is, what is going on, what's the storyline? We got a couple different things. You have creation. This establishes that we are image bearers and we have significance and, and, and worth and design connected to who God has made us. But then there's this thing called the fall. Sin enters and through sin these areas are tainted and we are forced to exist with them in tension. If you read the creation narrative because of the introduction of sin, we see tension, this, this wrestle with tension between work and who we are. There's another area that we start to see this tension play out and that's in relationships which in the coming weeks, we're actually gonna get into relationships. We're gonna talk about singleness, we're gonna talk about marriage, we're gonna talk about friendships, there's a, there's a lot to get into it. But two very specific areas that we see sin engage and start to break down is the issue of work and the issue of relationships. And now there's this weird tension that exists in them. But then there's another part of the narrative and that's redemption found in and through Jesus. Come on, somebody. God in flesh is given to do what Adam could not do, and through Jesus we are shown a better way. Jesus patterns for us a life that is not divided, but rather that is integrated. You know what's interesting is we never comment on this. We get the very backside of Jesus' life, but do you know what he was doing before he entered into ministry? Working. 
And it's a, it's, a, it's a facet of his life that we ignore, the humanity of who he was. And get, you would think if there was one person who didn't have to work, it'd be Jesus. <laughs> right? It's like, he's kind of the son of God. Can we just like chill out on the, like the nine to five for Jesus? He can just chill, stroll about until he engages in, no, 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 he, he worked. He worked. And this is important. And then there's this last part of the narrative that we see throughout the Bible, and that's restoration. We're not there yet. One day all things will be as they once were. But until then, perseverance will be the mark of a life that is integrated. Perseverance will be the mark of the one who fights to live according to God's design for their life and allow their work to be more than work. Here's what we can allow our work to be. Our work can be worship. I'm gonna say that one more time. Our work can be worship. And so the question becomes, what are the practical realities then associated with, with work? when it's informed by the gospel? What does it look like to live a gospel-integrated life, especially when it comes to the area of our work? I wanna suggest four views that we need to have concerning our work in light of the gospel at work in our lives. Need your help today, come on, every shout number one. Here's the first, first idea that I wanna present to us, is that our work should be a reflection, not a restriction. Our work should be a reflection, not a restriction. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, then, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. You know what I find interesting is that human nature is constantly trying to, f like, to fight against reflecting God. Rather, we have a tendency to see everything that God wants to do as restrictive in our life. But what the Bible is actually creating for us when it comes to this issue of work is that your life and my life, when we work, we are actually being image bearers. We are reflecting the goodness of who God is. That when we work, it's actually a space and a place that we can give glory and honor and praise to the one who has created us. That we are never more at home than we are when we are working, when we are laboring, when we are doing, when we are creating, when we are cultivating, when we are building. So work is such a vital part to who we are. Work should be a reflection of who God is, not a restrictive measurement upon our lives. But isn't that how we enter into work? We feel like, man, if I just, we say this, if I didn't have work, then, then what? Have you ever tried to answer that question? Sure, we can come up with this, but last time I checked, the image bearing that we weren't supposed to be, that we were engaged in, it wasn't God playing golf or in his boat. Oh, I'm pressing against our American culture right now because the pinnacle of our life is to do what? Work for X amount of years, make as much money as we can, get a boat, a big house, do some vacations, eat food on a cruise, and then die. <laughs> right? Have you ever like sat in a conversation? Thank you, Helen. Helen's clapping. <laughs> Because Helen does not live that way. Oh, I'm gonna get fired up right now. So this is, what we need to, this is what we need to understand because so many of us are actually trying to build towards apathy. <laughs> I 
I gotta talk to this side of the room over here. This is, this is my room over here. So many of us are trying to build towards apathy. We have not been designed to quit. We have been designed to run the race until I am in eternity. It's countercultural, I know, because it's like, well, I've worked so hard. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy a boat. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy golf. I enjoy fly fishing. But what I am saying is that you and I are these beautiful creations that God has made to give it everything we got until we cross the finish line of faith. <laughs> Gloriously exhausted. Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, how do you have so much energy all the time? It's because I don't view this as work, I view this as worship. It's a big difference. And I'm not trying to finish. Do you see the difference? I'm not, I'm not trying to finish, like, I'm gonna give it everything I got and if I collapse over the finish line, fantastic. But he built, he cultivated. I don't see parenting as work. I see it as cultivating. I'm not built, they're not Legos, like trying to build them. <laughs> I'm trying to cultivate in them. We had one of the most insane conversations at my table last night with my 12 year old and my 11 year old. I won't go into what that conversation was. Ask Erica. And so, um, <laughs> but we were cracking up last, like laughing last night. I sat back and it was such an enriching moment for our family, the content of the conversation. Why? Because I didn't see it as a duty of work. I saw it as cultivating our kiddos. And we were laughing and joking around. And me and my boy, like more so than ever, I got to see like this, this kid's exactly like me. It's scary. <laughs> but have you noticed because of our dysfunctional view towards work, we view everything as work? We view marriage as work. It is work, for sure. Somebody joked around once and they said, marriage is spelt W-O-R-K. That's how it's spelt. <laughs> and I've said that at times. But as I've gotten more and more conviction on this area of my life, I'm not seeing it as work. I'm seeing it as cultivating. I'm seeing it as being engaged as an image bearer into the thing that I'm supposed to create. When you see things like that, oh, it changes the game on how you walk into the boardroom. It changes the game as to how you step up to the building with a roof that you gotta look at. It changes the game as to how you step into the, the classroom. It changes the game as to how you step up to somebody's mouth because you're a dentist. Come on. I'm gonna rip this guy's molar out and it's gonna be worship unto the Lord. Our work should be a reflection, not a restriction. Number two, every shot, number two. Number two. My, my, hope, my hope is that you leave here today excited to work. Some of you are like, that's a big goal. <laughs> number two, here's the second thing. Significance is the product of who you are, not what you do. Significance is the product of who you are, not what you do. Matthew chapter three, verse 13. Through to 17 says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he 
consented and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this, this is awesome right here. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want you to see that Jesus was given affirmation as to who he was, not based upon what he did. And the reason that our work and our concept of work and our value of work is a little jacked up is because we are trying to use work in order to earn worth. We are using our work to produce something that we feel devalued in or we have lack of affirmation in. And can I just declare over your life today, as, a, as God's creation, as image bearers, you need to understand, I need to understand that no matter what you produce, you are not valued, your worth is not produced by it, you are loved by God. This is important, this is really important for us because what happens is if we're not careful, then it gets very, very slippery because then we as people, if we believe that about ourselves, we assess that to others. You might be sitting in a marriage right now where you guys are assessing each other based upon what you bring to the table and you wonder why things are jacked up. Well, because you're assessing somebody's worth by way of what it is that they produce. Think about that, we would never do that to our kids, right? Because they spend the first little bit producing nothing. <laughs> they produce chaos, <laughs> right? But isn't it interesting that as we mature, we start assessing things upon people's lives that we never did earlier. I don't walk into my son's room and say, hey today, just so you know, Justice, just a heads up, my love for you and your worth in my eyes is going to be produced on what you do in your grades today. I walk in, I don't really do this, but like conceptually, it'd be great if I actually did walk in, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. He's way too big to lift above my head right now. But, but, but we don't do that. My wife doesn't like wake up in the morning and roll over and look at me and say, hey Jason, just so you know, like my love for you will only be there if you do something good today. Yeah. Yet that's how we approach our work. And for some of us, the only way that we love ourselves and feel that we are worth anything is if we produce something. And this is why some of us have a really hard time resting. This is why some of us reject what we're gonna talk about in a minute, Sabbath. It's because if we're not tinkering with something, right? And it's a badge of honor, isn't it? Like we walk around and it's like, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm so busy, busy, busy. How's your day? Busy, what are you? Busy, what's your life? Busy. Have you met that person before? Come on. Everyone look forward right now. Do not, do not look to your side. Stop it. Right? But that's what, our, that's what our world looks like right now. It's just busy. Everything's busy, 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 busy. You've never walked up to somebody and then, and like, hey, hey, how's things going? So slow. 
I'm actually bored because of how much I'm not doing right now. I wanna just lay down on the floor, right? No one ever said that to you. <laughs> We've been conditioned, wired, to drive our worth from the things that we do. And what we need to understand, if we're gonna bring the sacredness back to our work, we need to understand that our worth is not predicated upon it. The problem that many of us here today live with is an unrelenting tension between our work and our faith. We view work as necessary while dreaming, desiring, and longing for something that we deem as significant. Think about that. What I mean by that is, is that we go, okay, well my work isn't significant, it's just work. But when, and we come up with an idea of what we believe is significant. Can I press into this a little bit more? Y'all with me still? This is, this is really important because I think this is what we do in ministry. We go, well look, see Jason, he has, like he's, he's doing something significant and I'm just, can I just like pop the bubble on this whole thing? Did you know that what I, this is work. Everybody goes quiet because they're like, where's the lightning bolt, right? <laughs> what I do is, is, is work at the, at the end of the day. Like leading a church and pastoring, it's, it's work. Y'all are work. I think sometimes what we think is that like the pastoral team, especially like we sit around with our, like, with our legs full and we just read our Bibles all day long <laughs> and pray and hang out. That's not what we, we work. Can I, can I just tell you, listen, I have my own quiet time so that I don't become a professional Christian. So I take my quiet time and I, and, and I read it for me. I get my heart full and my mind full. And then I have to, I have to like change, close my eyes. Okay, God, this is, this, is what I, this is what I pray when I start to dig in. It takes me about 15 to 20 hours to prepare a message every single week, plus everything else that we do. So after I get out of my quiet time, I have to click into my, I have to click in and I have to get God right now, this next portion of work I'm about to do, I do it to you as worship. Y'all see what I'm talking about? So then for the next 15 to 20 hours of the week that I'm reading and studying and thinking about these things and writing things and doing all the things that I love to do, my work is being given as worship. Are y'all tracking with me? It's important because I think sometimes we have this abstraction that happens with some of this. Because then you think, well, if I'm, if I'm doing this, this is significant and this is not significant. Can I tell you that veterinarian room that you're in is significant? The fire station that you're in is significant. The homeschooling that you're doing is significant. The boardroom that you're sitting in is significant. The cubicle that you're making calls in is significant. The cars that you're working on, it's significant. The, the places and the spaces that you find yourself working, it's significant. Come on, somebody, like, like this is, these are significant places and spaces. We're not meant to be defined by our work. It's not meant to give us worth. Number three, come on, Bishad, number three. <laughs> This front, this row over here is on fire today. I love it. Come on, how many of you would believe me when I say that church is meant to be enjoyed, not endured? Come on, somebody. All right, number three. We have to start seeing work as deployment instead of distraction. We have to start seeing work as, an, as deployment instead of distraction. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Paul the Apostle writes, he says, whatever you do, come on, someone shout whatever. Come on, someone shout whatever. Come on, someone shout whatever. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. This is about what we define as life on mission. You know, it's really interesting and it's an unfortunate thing when we view our work as a distraction rather than a deployment. And it's fascinating to me that what we've created, especially in church life, is we've created this idea that the mission field in a foreign country is more important than the mission field in your boardroom. That somehow God is moving more over here than he is right here. Can I just tell you that some of you have not been called to missions trips in Africa. You've been called to missions trips in your company. Hello. You haven't been called to missions trips to South America. You've been called to missions trips in your hospital. And for some of you, those who are homeschooling kids, those, those kiddos in front of you who are raising children, moms, the stay-at-home mom, can you not devalue yourself as well? Can you please understand and know that you are potentially raising up world changers right there? Your missions field are those kiddos. Hold on, but let me say this. Dads, if you are the stay-at-home dad who is raising the kid and doing that, can I just tell you that that is your mission field as well? So please, let's not get it twisted, this male-female thing and breaking it down this way. I'm just trying to throw these very large, like just swaths of generalization here to get us understanding that our work is important, to get us understanding that our labor is gospel initiative, to get us understanding that God is glorified in and through our work, how we do it, why we do it, when we do it. God gets the praise. So many people are praying for God to give them a place, a place to make a difference, all the while he's going like, I just did. And so we walk around blinded to the person that needed you to put your coffee down and have a conversation with them in the break room. Oh, but like, that, that's an inappropriate, no, it's the most appropriate place. Because you're not gonna see them afterwards. Some of us don't realize that the ethical decisions that we make in order like, to not cut corners and to do things right actually gives the greatest presentation that you will ever be able to give. Conviction and say, listen, I'm not going to cut that corner. We're gonna do it the hard way, but the hard way is gonna produce the right way. And people go, what is going on? What is different about your life? It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> I've said it before and I think it was repeating, your current position is your daily pulpit. But what's happened is we've replaced it. We believe that somehow this stage and this pulpit makes something more significant than the other thing. And that's just not the truth. I remember, I'm gonna invite the team up. I remember when I was, um, before I went into full-time ministry, in the sense of paid full-time ministry, vocational ministry, I painted. Well, first I worked at Red Robin. <laughs> it was awesome. 
And then I painted for about a year and a half before we moved to Phoenix to, to be on staff at a church there. And I'll never forget having to like walk through this, through this thing. So my father-in-law, he would always call me on it because I'd tell people, they would ask me, they'd go, what do, what, what do you do? And I would say, I'm a, and I'd like gotten out of Bible college and everything like that. I'd say, oh, I'm a painter. And if my father-in-law was around, he would always jump in. Like rudely, he would jump in and he'd be like, oh, he's not a painter, he's a pastor. And it used to drive me insane. I'm like, why is he killing him? She's like, Shh, calm down, I'm a painter. I just put paint on walls. And I remember having a conversation with him about it one time. So that's fine, you're painting walls, but you're a pastor. Now, he was speaking in that, in that moment about what I would be stepping into in other places, but what struck me in that moment is that I decided when I was painting walls, I was no longer gonna be a painter. I was gonna be a pastor. And so in there painting walls next to guys, I no longer saw myself as painting, I saw myself as pastoring the person right next to me. I'd ask them questions about their life and what's going on. It was really cool, we'd have lunch breaks and they'd sit down and they'd ask me a bunch of questions about this, that, or the other. Why? Because I decided in that moment that I was gonna pastor them, not just paint with them. I decided that my vocation, my work was gonna bring glory and honor and praise to God. And that's my hope for you in this subject matter. Four, last one. Work is a part of a system instituted by God to draw us closer to Him. Mark chapter two, verses 23 to 28 says this, on the Sabbath he was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did as, he was, as they were in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God and in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Then the Son of Man, so then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Here's what I want us to see today. This is God's equation for your life and for my life. Work, rest, sow, repeat. 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 You gotta get work, rest, sow, repeat. Work, rest, sow, repeat. I'm trying to get into your head because many of us forget it. This is what American culture looks like. Work, 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 die. Work, work, <laughs> stop it. Maybe it's work, 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 repeat. Work, 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 vacation, work on vacation, repeat. Work, 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 hop into the bed with my wife, stay on my phone so that I'm working, not engaging with each other, repeat. Work, 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 this in my hands, 
ignoring my kids, work, repeat. Work, 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 spreadsheet, no Bible, repeat. Work, work. Work, rest, sow, repeat. It's a biblical cadence for your life and for my life. So the heavens and the earth, Genesis chapter two, verses one through three says, everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and delivered it, declared it as holy, for on it he rested from all of his work. I want you to hear this church, even God rested. And if this will just sink into some of our hearts today, I want you to hear this. Rest is not laziness, it is worship. Rest is God's way of saying focus. So we need rest. So we work and we rest. And then we work and we sow. Two things that are extremely difficult for us. And this is the cadence to our life. Erica and I started getting really militant about Sabbathing. And I'll, I'll admit to you, yesterday we were Sabbathing. Sabbathing for us looks like Friday at 6 p.m. till Saturday at 6 p.m. We don't do anything else. We enjoy each other, we feast, we're with family, we play. Yesterday, kid you not, guys, I played guitar for like three hours. I was trying to lie, just like, and then I forgot done. My phone's over in the corner. And come on, have you ever like felt your arm like just raising together? <laughs> Like, stay down. And I was pacing the house. I kid you not, I caught myself yesterday. I was pacing the house, Chris. Pace, I was like walking back and forth, not doing anything. I was like, what? And Eric was like, are you okay? I found myself laying on top of my couch, just like, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to do something. But what I was failing to, to realize is that my rest was doing. And I had to reorganize my heart in that moment. Sit back. And I'll tell you right now, for some of you in this room today, your weariness and your frustration and the, and the pain that you're feeling is because you've yet to rest. You've, you've yet to say, God, this is your space for the next 24 hours. I give it all to you. Now for some of you, you need to like break that into like six hour increments to start out with. Because <laughs> some of you won't know what to do, you will lose your mind. So like start with three hours and then let's work to it. Work, rest. Get that into your heart. So I rest and I sow the product of my work. God said, hey, I want some of that. We talk about that a lot around here, so I'm not gonna spend time on that this morning. Y'all see what I'm talking about? So I give him my work 
I give him my rest, I give him what I produce, and then I repeat. And as I do life with my hands open like this all the time, God then says, oh, I'm gonna bless it. I'm gonna pour into your life, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, exceedingly and abundantly above what you could ever ask, hope, or imagine in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, does the church have an amen today? Amen. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. That help anybody today? Every head bowed, every head closed. The central piece to this truth today is Jesus. What I need us to understand today and what I want us to understand today is that Jesus at the center is what makes all of this possible. When he's not at the center, it doesn't, there, there's not a redemptive space to our work. There's not a redemptive space to these, these things. But when Jesus is at the center, it changes everything. And there's some of us in the room today who have yet to say yes to Jesus, but in this moment, I'm just believing that today's your day. Today's the day that you say yes to putting him at the center of everything that you do. And we're gonna do this by praying a prayer together. And there's nothing really fancy in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. And so what I wanna do is I wanna invite you to pray this prayer, all of us together. Especially those of us who would say, I need to say yes to Jesus today. Come on, as loud as you possibly can, would you repeat this after me? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, and make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I'm making you the center of my life. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you were praying that prayer for the first time today, come on, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just wanna know that you're with us today. Right over here, right over here, right over here, right over here, right over here. Come on, right over here. Is there anybody else? Right over here, right over here, awesome. Come on, right over here up front. Is there anybody else today that's saying, this is me, this is my moment. I wanna put Jesus at the center of my life. Ma'am, I see you right there, thank you. Come on, anybody else today? Beautiful. Come on, can we lift our head and open our eyes? Can we just celebrate all of those who are saying yes to Jesus today? Come on. Okay, now listen, for those of you who lifted your hands today and you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I need you to do a massive favor for me. As soon as we dismiss in just literally 30 seconds, I need you to walk out in the lobby, find the tables that are in the center. I need you to walk up to our team that's there and say, hey, can you give me my Bible and can you give me my book? These are the things that we wanna put in your hand. These are the next, like, these are, these are guide. this is a guide for just some of the questions that you might have, some of the conversation. And this is the roadmap for all things faith. This is the truth, it's God's word. And we wanna put that in your hand today, it's our gift to you. And we wanna be able to pray for you and stand with you and connect with you to the best of our abilities. Does that sound good? So I hope those of you who lifted your hand today will come visit us out there. Come on, come on, from the front to the back, can you just lift your hands to heaven just one more time? I wanna pray for you as we leave. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room today. God, I thank you that in our coming and in our going, that you are in our midst, that we are and can be in your presence. 
So God, I pray this week that we would know your grace. And more importantly today, Father, as we walk into our Monday, into the places and spaces that we occupy for our vocation and our work, God, I pray that we would do it to the praise and the glory of your name. May we be image bearers this week in the places and spaces that you've called us to. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted, amen, amen, amen. It's so good having you here. God bless you.